Welcome to today's Hemp Barons podcast, everyone. I'm host Joy Beckerman and excited to bring to you today an interview with Laura Drotliff, journalist from Hemp Industry Daily. Well, we're coming up to one of the most important elections ever in the history of America and certainly in our lifetimes. And we want to make sure that everyone's voice is counted. It's so important to ensure that your voter registration is accurate. Don't listen to conspiracy theories or apathy or disinformation or campaigns basically telling you that your vote doesn't count. Your vote counts. It needs to be counted. You can go to vote.org, that's V-O-T-E dot O-R-G, vote.org, to see if you're registered. I would even call, if you are at all concerned, that same vote.org. Once you give the littlest bit of information about where you live, you can get right to your local elections office. Usually it's your county uh, and you can Google that as well. I live in King County, so I go Google King County, Washington elections and come right up there uh, with that phone number and call them to ensure if you haven't gotten your ballot yet, please call them. Be very kind. They're fielding tons of questions right now. They want to help. They want your vote to count. For the most part, depending on where you are in the country and how much pressure various public officials are under uh, by various special interests. Uh, But call them, be polite, make sure that your address information is correct and be patient as they look you up online. But when you go to vote.org to check to see if you're registered and get that information, you can also get assistance voting by mail through vote.org, finding a polling place and even completing the 2020 census. We want you to make sure that you follow the instructions on your ballot. It's so important to read those instructions and follow them carefully so that there is no excuse for your vote not to count. Because there may be intentional slowing of the mail, it's important for you to properly complete your ballot and get it in the mail as soon as possible. Sometimes uh, mail-in ballots have a tear-off stub and they just instruct you to tear it off, but you may notice that there's a barcode or a number and that actually becomes your receipt or your ticket. Uh, In many states, that stub corresponds with your ballot, so you want to keep it. Another thing to be really aware of is that some states have laws prohibiting you sharing your ballot. So don't automatically take a picture of it and post it on Facebook or some other uh, social media platform because it may actually be unlawful in your state to do that. So everyone, I hope you get out the vote, do everything that you can far in advance. We're coming up against the deadline now to make sure that there'll be no problems with your ballot, that you get it where it needs to go in time and that it's completed properly. We live in an amazing country and when the people lead, the leaders follow. And this is our time. Engage in the process, folks. And with that, Get ready for a wonderful interview with Miss Laura Drotliff, and we'll be back with you at Hemp Barons next week. Stay safe, everybody. Well, welcome to Hemp Barons, Miss Laura Drotliff. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you, Joy. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Boy, do we know each other through your outstanding reporting for Hemp Industry Daily. Let me ask you, Miss Laura, before you were brought on to the Hemp Industry Daily team, had you heard of hemp or what What did you know about hemp before really diving into to front and center of, of reporting on what's going on in these exciting emerging industries? Yeah, you know, um, before I came to Hemp Industry Daily, I was working for an agricultural publisher. Um, in Ohio. 
And so we really focused on specialty crops in that, in that, uh, realm. So, um, I was really focused more on the greenhouse side of things. So ornamentals and vegetables, and we were expanding our coverage into cannabis and, um, looking at hemp and, and marijuana. And so, um, I actually attended marijuana business daily, uh, marijuana, excuse me, MJ BizCon. And um, while I was there, uh, I went to a session about hemp in the farm bill and um, all the updates that were happening um, in 2018. And actually you were on stage, Joy. So <laughs> you were sort of among some of my first um, exposure to the hemp industry. So, um, so, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I've I hadn't really been all that well versed in the industry up until about 2018 when, you know, 2017, 2018, as we were looking into covering that crop. And boy, did you quickly come up to speed. My God. <laughs> and and yeah. so the listeners know hemp is considered a specialty crops, uh, a specialty crop in amongst the USDA Agricultural Marketing Service. So boy, you, you uh, had a great position there to pivot right into the reintroduction of hemp in the United States. And right there, as you say, 2018, um, that was December. So MJ BizCon was December that year, and so was the signing of the Farm Bill. So talk about perfect timing. Yeah, it was great timing. And it's just, I, I found it so fascinating. And I mean, we had been looking into cannabis and, you know, all these, other, you know, the covering marijuana, hemp. Um, and so, but just, yeah, hearing from experts like you, and I believe Steven Tresky was on stage as well. And so it was really my first exposure to MJ BizCon as an outsider, and then also to the hemp industry. And I, it was just so fascinating to me. So I was really excited to be part of it when I moved over to Hemp Industry Day. And I'm sure it is still fascinating to you because after 30 years, it still fascinates me beyond <laughs> beyond. And I feel like I'm learning more slash having to learn more than ever. And it's just sort of hemp is not only the plant that keeps on giving, it's the plant that keeps on demanding you increase your knowledge base. Am I right about that? Oh, you're absolutely right about that. I always say this industry never stops and there's always something new to talk about or write about. So it's definitely an exciting space to be in um, and definitely requires constant learning and constant education of yourself to keep up with it. <laughs> You make a, a more than full-time job out of it. And I know it's also in very many ways become your passion. And of course with hemp, um, and I, I just have to say it, I love the, to say the list. We're talking serving all of the needs of humanity and the winged and swimming and two-leg and four-leg creatures. So human and animal nutrition, body care, nutraceuticals, pharmaceuticals, paper, textile, building materials, um, bioresins, industrial sealants and coatings, energy, batteries, supercapacitors, nanotechnology, it goes on and on. And that, of course, is why it's the never-ending quest to learn, even as research begins on the nanoscale at a, at a much larger level uh, for hemp cellulose. And as many of the listeners often hear me say, a nanoscale um, refers, to, refers to the infinitesimal uh, unit of measurement, the nanometer, which is a billionth of a meter. Um, and we find, of course, that hemp cellulose uh, is 
second only to graphite whiskers and carbon nanotubes. And so that research is really just beginning on top of everything else. It's, it's just never ending. And that brings me to a question because Hemp Industry Daily has done such a great job gathering data, putting forth surveys, because uh, in order to to try to give them the most important information, the most usable and practical information. And I know it's challenging to pull together data in these emerging industries. Any stories that you wanna share or challenges around Hemp Industry Daily uh, survey and data collection? Anything interesting or challenging you've discovered along these endeavors? Well, it's always a challenge, I believe, to get people to <laughs> answer surveys in some cases. You know, I mean, um, we we enjoy sending out these surveys. It's such a great way, um, mode of collecting data and collecting information about the audience. And um, but, in, you know, in some cases, the industry can get a little bit surveyed out, you know, like sometimes they, they don't want to answer all the questions. Or if we send a, a survey at a certain time of year, um, like if it's harvest or planting season or, you know, just whatever, it's, it can be difficult sometimes to get people to answer those surveys. So, um, yeah, but, but the thing is, is that, um, right now, there's not a ton of data out there. There's not, you know, the USDA is even also having challenges getting getting uh, farmers to answer their own their surveys and answer um, uh, provide information about plant what crops they've planted and how many crops they've planted. So, I guess what I'm saying is, I would love for farmers and retailers and you know manufacturers and just all the different um, aspects of the supply chain to when there is a survey that's sent out, please answer it, whether it's from us or anyone, the USDA, um, because that information is just so valuable to the industry. It's not like we have recent historical data to go by, as you're painfully aware. Uh, we are very unique. We're talking about a crop that has been prohibited for cultivation in the United States of America. Absolutely a straight up felony as of 1970, but it was basically taxed and regulated out of existence way back in 1937. So it's just more important than ever to engage and really be a part, particularly if you have a vested interest. So those stakeholders, whether it's in fiber, uh, oil seed or extract and no matter where you are on the supply chain if, if there's an opportunity um, as Miss Laura as you're saying to, to engage engage because we are one foot in front of the other building uh, the infrastructure and the supply um, to meet hemp's promise in all of those different areas and I yes, think absolutely yeah. And, and no, no. I, I think it's also a great sort of segue into, as you know, uh, Miss Laura, there is quite a degree, a wide spectrum of sophistication and understanding within the hemp extract space um, of the Code of Federal Regulations that govern current good manufacturing practices for hemp extract products. Hemp, by hemp extract, I mean uh, hemp-derived cannabidiol, hemp-derived cannabigerol, cannabinol, um, or even just full-spectrum hemp extract that uh, is not purporting to market any particular cannabinoid. But there, there is this different spectrum of understanding, yet 
the code of federal regulations governing dietary supplements and food and all of the requirements right down to labeling, of course, holding, distribution, the way you manage complaints. Um, it's quite complex. And uh, I, of course, live in that world of making sure that uh, that my clients, um, that the nonprofit members that I work with through the USM Roundtable and other nonprofits are aware of these regulations. But could you share with us some stories, um, maybe something surprising or shocking that you learned about someone involved in the hemp extract space that that really did not fully understand uh, these these complexities of the regulations that surround the products that they make for human ingestion here in this developed country, the United States. Yeah, I wouldn't say I have a lot of stories per se, but I do see a pattern among, you know, um, we've all seen the news about companies that have um, made medical claims about their products. And I think that that is the number one thing that we've seen across the board is just that, you know, um, there's so many companies that have received a, a letter from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration warning them about making medical claims, unsubstantiated medical claims about their products, whether it be for humans or pets or animals. And I just feel like that that is the number one misunderstanding right now, um, that you cannot make medical claims. Um, you know, I mean, we've seen We've seen that happen for a number of different products, a number of different companies, and um, you know anything from from uh, you know serious serious problems like serious illnesses all the way to just like small you know regular ailments. But just anything, any claim that you make is going to get you a letter. And so far, like the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has not. I don't believe done a whole lot more than send warning letters, but that could that could change, you know, that could change very rapidly. Indeed, Laura, they have uh, the FDA and many of these in conjunction of, as you know, with the Federal Trade Commission, have sent a total of 54 warning letters to various hemp extract and CBD manufacturers since February of 2015. So all in all, uh, when we look back at over five and a half years, 54 warning letters aren't so, so bad, but they were for really egregious claims. And you're right, they've not ever resulted in any type of corrective action or cease and desist. For the most part, those 54 letters have resulted in folks complying and just coming into compliance and stop uh, with those medical claims. But certainly there are many other issues. They started to issue, I think, the first CGMP violation for a hemp extract company, which is included in one of those 54 letters, um, was issued in July of 2018, I believe. So certainly some other things coming along. It's just amazing that folks do not understand. And of those 54 companies, there are hundreds and hundreds that say, you know, ridiculous, make ridiculous medical claims. When you are a dietary supplement, you can only support uh, certain functions of the body. And, and certainly if it comes to pain or inflammation or, or sleeplessness, those words are all disease states, insomnia, I should say, pain, inflammation, um, anxiety. They're all disease states and they can only be used when you are talking about a drug. Those statements cannot be used when you're talking about a dietary supplement. And as you know, we see it over and over again. And I think what is... 
frustrating to me is that I, I watch my clients and others um, invest hundreds of thousands of dollars annually in compliance with the Code of Federal Regulations for Dietary Supplements and Food. And uh, yet we see these other folks and other brands, perhaps the extract is being made in the garage or the basement or, you know, some other place under no current good manufacturing practices. They're saying anything that they want on the label and those products take up shelf space. And it's really, frankly, you know, I just consider it to be an unfair competitive advantage. <laughs> you either invest in compliance and work under the law um, or you don't. And I think probably the most dangerous thing for those companies, as you might agree, is that we don't really know what's in the bottle when they're not following current good manufacturing practices. And, and it becomes a consumer protection issue, uh, mm -hmm. whether they're not getting what, what's in the product and what's in the label are different, which is a consumer protection issue, or whether there's something in the bottle that is adulterated and unhealthy. So, you know, it's... Um, it's such a thing with hemp extract. Of the, of the different sectors in hemp fiber and the infrastructure is growing grain and the infrastructure is growing in and extract, do you have a favorite or is there a favorite sort of category of hemp product that makes your heart sing? Well, I am very excited about all the different categories. I mean, it's hard to narrow it down because there's so many exciting things that are happening in all the different sectors. Um, one thing that I, I really am excited to, to see what happens with um, with the fiber industry and with the ind more industrial uses of hemp. Um, I, we've seen some really exciting um, stories just recently. I reported about um, some companies that are using cannabis wastes, including hemp waste, to make paper and make plastics and re replace some of those fossil fuel-based plastics and, um, and tree based paper. Um, it just some of the, uh, some of the information coming out of those regarding, you know, like the, the ability to recycle paper like seven or eight times versus three or four times for regular paper um, is just very exciting to me. And then also, um, you know, replacing the fossil fuel based plastic with hemp or, or other plant based plastic, I think is such a great uh, opportunity for our industry. And um, like in this story, um, one of the gentlemen was talking about how um, that provides the industry with an opportunity to be biocircular, meaning that the, the plants are grown, they come from the ground, they're made into these, um, they're, they're used for flour, for, for cannabis products or hemp products. And then, you know, the waste is used for um, for paper or plastics or other, you know, uh, the, like the, that that um, disposed waste is able to be put into use. And then from that, it goes back into the ground. So it's a biocircular product. And and um, he was mentioning that that is definitely going to be a wave of the future. That's going to be something that um, that municipalities and um, and other that municipalities and politicians and uh, people uh, people are going to be looking for products that are biocircular in the supply chain. So I think that's a really exciting opportunity for the cannabis space. It sure is. And when we talk about hemp, I mean, you know, we I I, I very I don't even really like to hear 
uh, the term waste only because, and I get, I understand everyone uses that term. I call it, and you've heard me say it before. We don't have byproducts in hemp. We have co-products, a big <laughs> co-products. Yeah. Um, and, and even as you probably know, right down to the roots, of course, of the plant, which have very rare triterpenes that are not only not located in the rest of the plant, but are very difficult to find throughout nature as it stands. So, uh, and Dr. Ethan Rousseau has started a few years ago, maybe four now, gosh, time goes by so fast in hemp, um, started to do presentations and educate folks on the history and uses of the of the root of the plant in, in medicines and other preparations. So just so much there. And, and I know you and I have also spoken, um, you've, you've know of my love of pyrolysis and that mm -hmm. is such a, a, an area of advocacy for me. And, and certainly the USDA has reopened its public comment period for the domestic hemp production program for its interim final rule. And we're just railing on, uh, on that pyrolysis aspect yeah. of it because we can't, you know, this issue of disposal, uh, certainly we don't want to hear the word destroy and the word destroy in terms of non-compliant hemp or hemp that tests above 0.3% THC, Delta 9 THC. Um, the word destroy was not in the farm bill. The word dispose is. And so we were very lucky uh, that in that first round of public comments, the, the USDA said, okay, okay, you're right. It's disposal and not destroy. And here are some other ways that you can dispose of your crop. You can burn it. You can compost it, you know, and, and here my, my heart hurts even just to say that when we are talking about pyrolysis, being able to create these 100% pure organic fuels, diesels, bioresins, gasoline, carbon nanotubes, carbon block, you know, all of those things. So I'll be really excited uh, to see how much progress we're going to be able to make. It is this phobia around Delta 9 THC, of course, that causes, um, all of this uh, hysteria, THC hysteria, as I as I sometimes explain about it. And what are you seeing? Are you familiar yet? We just had them on um, on the show. Uh, we had Greg Nieko of IND Hemp. He works with Tom Elliott, of course, is the is the founder of IND Hemp. But have you heard of these amazing folks out of Montana yet that have broken ground on a fiber processing facility? I have not, but I've been definitely excited to hear more about fiber processing. Good. I'm going to share all that with you after because something tells me Hemp Industry Daily going to want to, and you in particular, going to want to give those folks a call. Uh, they just broke ground. It, it was just released. A U.S. Senator John Tester was there in a hemp mask and his shovel helping them break ground. And they're big grain people, um, but they are absolutely moving into uh, fiber processing, including powdering and pulverizing. So it's really going to be great. Yeah, that's excellent. Anything exciting uh, that you want to share with the listeners that you've learned recently in the fiber sector? For me, it's all, you know, building materials are what really just uh, make my heart sing. Hempcrete, hempwood, hemp board, anything that's making you excited as you, as you watch all of this emerge? Well, just the kind of thing, same thing that you're just talking about. It's really exciting to see, you know, the the prospects for using hemp in building for hemp, you know, hempcrete and um, some of the different, um, you know, manufacturers like Hempwood, for example. Um, I'm I cannot wait to see the um, 
the ramp up, I guess, of the supply chain for fiber and, you know, even grain within the industry. I mean, it's just so exciting to see, to, to um, think about all the different uh, opportunities and prospects for fiber, whether it be like a co-product, as you mentioned, or, or building material. I mean, there's just so many different opportunities. And also, I feel that it also opens the door for all different types of people to come into the industry and to be able to diversify the hemp industry in that way. So I, I just can't wait to hear more about um, more processors ramp, uh, coming on online and um, you know, all across the country. I mean, I know in Texas, there's been quite a lot of interest in both growing the fiber and um, putting in processing centers. And we've heard that even in North Carolina, there's a lot of interest in, in fiber and, and processing fiber. So um, yeah, I'm just, I, I don't have any main, major stories to talk about right now, but I'm just very excited to see that. That, uh, that come online and just ramp up. And um, yeah, that's... <laughs> to watch it all grow. It's just watch so it fascinating. Exactly. And, and really, Jace Calloway uh, and Anita um, Himala of Finola, some very close friends, um, you know, Jace always says, and we're all just going whaling right now. This is the reemergence of a crop that meets all needs of humanity and animals, etc. Um, and so the investment opportunities for these processing facilities, and as I've been, you know, shouting from the rooftops since 2014 Farm Bill, you know, we need those investment dollars to come in. We've got to have that infrastructure, ideally within 50 to 100 square miles of every hemp biomass feedstock for the various uh, different, whether we're grain processing, fiber processing, extract processing. And I suppose, of course, some of that will be regional, uh, you know, where processing facilities for certain industries within hemp, because that's where farmers are growing uh, that type of hemp. We certainly aren't going to see a whole lot of fiber and oilseed hemp in the same direct region where we see hemp extract due to the cross-pollination issues. So I think that's going to somewhat dictate, of course, how these facilities uh, will unfold. But these are investment opportunities. And I've said, listen, if you're expecting a one-year ROI, you're definitely in the wrong business at this time. But if you can hold out for those three to five-year ROIs, please build it and they will come. There is so much work to do to to build the supply chain and create jobs and stimulate the economy for everybody. And when we say for everybody, I want to thank you for talking about diversity. Laura, as you know, we don't have a ton of diversity uh, in in the hemp industries and, and the hemp movement. And I'm, I'm very proud. I serve very many roles for the U.S. Hemp Roundtable um, and am the vice president of law and science and the chair of the law and science committee, but am very pleased uh, to be sitting on the federal lobbying committee and the minority empowerment committee that uh, has formed. We've got Amber Littlejohn from the Minority Cannabis Business Association, um, who is really helping to lead uh, uh, that committee. And this is not just surface stuff and Twitter posts. We, the USM Brown table does not want to be uh, those folks. So we are talking about some really meaningful change to hold our own selves accountable, uh, to create benchmarks and systems through the Annie E. Casey Foundation for US Hemp Roundtable members, and uh, to really serve as a conduit uh, with those ancillary and direct services and stakeholders within the hemp industry.
industry who are uh, minorities, black, people of color, indigenous. It's really, really important to us. In fact, hemp, as you may know, has its own uh, responsibility and cross to bear for lack of a more appropriate term here with regard to slavery. In fact, there probably would not have been any slavery in Kentucky but for uh, the hemp crop. Uh, so we've got some some restitution. We've got some healing to be done, and uh, I'm just very excited to see folks put forth effort, and and in particular, so proud to be a part of the roundtable's efforts uh, to bring diversity and, and inclusion into the industry, onto the boards, onto the executive teams, and of course, well within the, within the staff and uh, personnel. Before we part, Miss Laura, is there anything, any message that you uh, want to make sure that you tell the listeners or something exciting that Hemp Industry Daily is working on that you might want to share? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for asking that. Um, so recently, Hemp Industry Daily has partnered with Nielsen Global Club. I'm going to say that again. Recently, Hemp Industry Daily has partnered with Nielsen Global Connect. And of course, as you know, Nielsen is uh, lead consumer research. Uh, um, oh, I need to say that again. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I'm going to start at the beginning where I'm talking about Hemp Industry Daily partnering. You got it. <clears throat> yes. Thank you so much, Joy, for asking that. I'm so glad that you asked. Um, actually, Hemp Industry Daily has recently partnered with Nielsen Global Connect, which is, uh, as you know, a very prestigious and well-known consumer research entity. And so uh, we have partnered with that, uh, that company to be able to bring some, uh, some, some great uh, data to the industry. And um, so we're really excited about that. We're putting out several reports in conjunction with, uh, with Nielsen. And um, we just actually recently launched our smokable hemp report. It's called um, Opportunities and Challenges in Smokable Hemp. And so that is the first of, of many. Um, we have a few more coming out this fall. One is about CBD and retail and one is about um, CBD for pets. So, um, so yeah, we're really excited about working together with Nielsen and bringing some of that data forward for the industry. And when you say Nielsen Global Connect, you're talking about the infamous Nielsen ratings that we all know about TV ratings. Is, is that yeah. correct? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is big. So yeah. glad that Hemp uh, has the attention and Hemp Industry Daily of Nielsen Global Connect. That's really big news for the movement and for HID. Congratulations on that. Yes, thank you so much. We're very excited about it. And as I mentioned, so the Smokable Hemp Report just came out and uh, that that has taken on some, some great interest in the industry. And we're just so excited to have some of those numbers coming from Nielsen and their proprietary research. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be, it really provides some great um, information about the market size and the ability, you know, the, some insight on how the market is changing and in growing and how it will grow over the next few years. 
And boy, is it a bright, bright sunshine and a bright horizon for hemp, just as the planet needs it more than ever. Right on time to reintroduce this crop. Well, Miss Laura, I miss your face. I cannot wait till we can gather safely again. I'm used to seeing you, I don't know, six, eight times a year since we met uh, in 2020. I haven't seen you yet once, maybe in the very beginning. I probably saw you in January or February. But I miss you. Cannot wait to to see you again. And I'm just cheering you on as you do such great work and and continue to get the good word out on hemp and and every aspect of it through that vehicle hemp industry daily. Thank you so much for being with us on Hemp Barons today, Laura. Thank you so much, Joy. I appreciate you having me and I miss you too. It's been way too long. (laughs) Until we meet again, sister, and we'll have you on again as well. You have a great, safe, healthy week and get out that boat. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Will do. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.